Have you ever wanted to dive deeper into the philosophies behind modern-day politics? Then don't miss the newest episode of Meet the Experts, where I talk with the creators of the Giants of Political Thought audio series. Available now wherever you get your Howie Car Show podcasts. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially Grace. Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. I don't want to waste any time here because we're about to talk to a very busy person. That would be Trump's national press secretary and great friend of the Grace Curley Show, Caroline Levitt. Caroline, we thank you so much for coming on. And first things first, I would love an update on Trump appealing this $464 million fraud case in New York City. Obviously, because of the the law in New York, he has to put up this money in order to appeal it. Can you give us some insight, Caroline, on how he plans to uh, find that money? Or does he plan on selling property? Does he plan on waiting this out and hoping that there's a stay? Give us an update on this. For sure, Grace. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to join you. Love the audience. Miss the audience so very much. Uh, As for this ruling in New York, the legal team did make an appeal in the case yesterday. They had felt uh, since the beginning of this sham trial led by Letitia James, the far-left partisan hack attorney general of New York State, and, of course, the judge we had in this case. I mean, the, the books were stacked against the president from the beginning. They didn't let any witnesses in. And while we were expecting an egregious ruling, it's still nevertheless shocking when the ruling came down uh, more than nearly $400 million, as you said, uh, against a man who built the New York City skyline as it exists today when they didn't allow any witnesses, any experts. I mean, legal scholars on both sides of the aisle agreed that this was a a horrendous case and a, a travesty of justice, the ruling. So the legal team is appealing it. I won't get ahead of them in terms of you know, the money that needs to be put up, what their plan is on that. I'm sure you'll be hearing more. Uh, However, they feel strongly, and I think a lot of Americans agree, that this ruling should have never come down. And we're hopeful that eventually this will be overturned on appeal uh, and Latricia James won't end up getting a dime of that money. Now, Caroline, uh, I'm sure that Donald Trump was skeptical of how on the level this Fannie Willis disqualification hearing was going to go. But even with that being said, I think the performances we saw from Nathan Wade, Fannie Willis, Fannie Willis's father, they surprised even Democrats how ill prepared they were for this and how much they kept kind of incriminating themselves, maybe without even realizing it. Now, we're waiting for this trial or this testimony to resume. Can you give us a, a little bit? of information on Trump's reaction to it. Is he surprised this is how it's playing out? Is he is he excited? Is he watching it? Our whole team was watching the first day of Fannie Willis in Nathan Wade's testimony, and it was like a soap opera. I mean, we were all just staring at the television like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, we knew these people were corrupt. We knew uh, that we knew about the allegations. Of course, one of the president's co-defendants in the case was there is the reason that, you know, this is all being unraveled because he took the, the courageous step to move forward uh, and reveal the, the truth about these two corrupt people. But to watch them just 
trip all over themselves, clearly lie on the stand, make a mockery of the justice system. It was still nevertheless shocking at times, I mean, laughable, their behavior and the way they responded to some of those to their questioning. Now, since that testimony, you know, more evidence has been revealed that they may have very well lied on the stand. Of course, we have uh, now the phone records of Nathan Wade, which proved that he was at Fannie Willis's homes prior to when he actually testified. Uh, and so, th- again, this is another case where the corruption at the root of where it's being brought against the former president is being rotted out. The truth is slowly being revealed, and the whole world got to see just how laughable this case is. Fannie Willis's case, at the very least, should be dismissed. She should be disbarred from ever serving in a public position with her legal degree ever again. Um, and again, we're calling on that case to be dismissed as well, because it has no legal basis. And then when you look at these insane allegations, we also learned just yesterday, Breitbart reported that the Biden administration actually planted an individual in Fannie Willis's office to target President Trump. And so all of these cases have a few similarities. One, they're brought on by corrupt far-left partisan Democrats who are abusing their positions of power. Two, they're happening in the middle of an election season. These people have had years to prosecute President Trump if they really thought he was a criminal. They don't. They're happening now to protect Joe Biden. And thirdly, all of them have collusion uh, with the Biden White House directly. It's really unbelievable watching all of this play out. I'm glad you brought up the timing of these cases. I want to get to that in a second. I'm speaking with Caroline Levitt, the national press secretary for Donald J. Trump. Um, But the other case here that I've been watching is Jack Smith. And he told the court yesterday that Trump's handling of classified documents is very, very different from Joe Biden's handling of classified documents. I'm sure that doesn't shock you, Caroline. But my my question, and this is just my own curiosity, out of all these cases, there are so many of them. I think a lot of Democrats were putting all of their hope really in this Fannie Willis case, which is falling apart at the seams, as you just mentioned. But out of all of these cases, which one, which one really, and I'm sure they all bother Trump to a degree, but which one drives him the craziest? Like, which one would you say is he the most focused on that he thinks is the most outrageous that he is putting all of his energy into? Well, I I think that... Surprisingly, and being around the president a lot, none of them actually drive him crazy. For someone who's being persecuted and fined and uh, is the victim of all of these lawsuits, I mean, he really, it's remarkably how calm, cool, and collected he remains. Obviously, I mean, it's, it's frustrating and it's infuriating, but I think he has a sense of peace knowing that the truth is on his side and that he has very good lawyers who are fighting around the clock. Uh, to fight this nonsense. And I think he also is really encouraged whenever he goes out on the campaign trail and just sees the massive amount of crowds that are go out to support him no matter what state he's in. You know, the constant calls and texts and emails that our campaign receives every day from people who are just so fed up with what they're seeing. I think that I know that really encourages the president. Uh, but all of these cases equally are just horrendous. I think, again, the Fannie Willis case was flabbergasting for all of us to watch just how how the stupidity uh, of what is becoming of that case. But I think, you know, in terms of the cases in New York, I know those especially hit home. I mean, look, that's the former president's home state. Right. That's where his family has invested millions of dollars. I mean, he said himself that his Trump organization alone has paid 
$300 million plus dollars in state taxes to that state. His family built the skyline of New York. They've been philanthropists with charitable organizations in, in New York. He loves that state. It's his home. And so I think that's especially frustrating to see what has become of, of New York and just the, the weaponization of their legal system there against a man who spent his entire career and life fighting for it. Yeah. And to your point, when I hear from listeners and just people in my own life, that is something they go back to is, wow, it's amazing what this man did for New York. And, you know, the thanks he's getting. No good deed goes unpunished. Um, Caroline Levitt, I have so many other things to ask you. I want to play this cut. Now, Biden was on with Seth Meyers. You know, he doesn't do any media hits, really, unless they're total softball uh, interviews. He was on with Seth Meyers. And you said that the cases aren't driving Trump crazy. I cannot imagine a world in which he doesn't want to pull his hair out when he Here's Biden trying to say that he has lost his marbles. Can I have cut two, please, Jared? Well, a couple of things. Number one, you got to take a look at the other guy. He's about as old as I am, but he can't even remember his wife's name. Yeah. And, uh, number one. Number two, <laughs> it's about how old your ideas are. Look, I mean, this is a guy who wants to take us back. He wants to take us back on Roe v. Wade. He wants to take us back on a whole range of issues that. So we have Joe Biden now, Caroline. He's talking to dead politicians. He doesn't remember where he is. And now he's going on late night TV to try to make the case that Trump is actually more senile than he is and has you know, diminished cognitive abilities. What's your reaction to that as Trump's national press secretary and as someone who spends a lot of time with the former president? Well, nobody is going to believe that. I love how the White House tells us to keep watching Joe Biden. We can decide for ourselves about his vigor and mental and physical stamina. Uh, yeah, we are watching for ourselves, and that's exactly why 80% of Americans don't think this guy has what it takes to be the president for another four years, and not even close to that number feel the same way about President Trump. I can tell your audience and you, Grace, working firsthand for the president, I'm I'm young. I like to think I have some vigor. I mean, it is hard to keep up with this man. He is constantly working around the clock, traveling all of the time. Uh, and there's no comparison between he and Joe Biden on this front. I mean, Joe Biden stumbles and bumbles over his own words every single time he takes the microphone. His White House clearly shields him away from reporters. You know, I think it's so funny when I hear from former White House reporters that I worked with in the Trump White House who are now covering Biden, and they say off the record that they miss us. And I say, yeah, I'm sure you do. We have the most transparent president in history, constantly talking to the press, holding press conferences all of the time, relaying his message directly to the American public. You have Joe Biden, who hardly speaks. I mean, they call lids over there at 2 p.m. so he can go to bed. And it's, it's, it's funny to watch sometimes, but it also, when you think about the fact that this man is our president, he's the commander-in-chief of our military, he has the nuclear codes, it's quite dangerous and scary. And, you know, that's why we see chaos unraveling around the whole world. Uh, but working for President Trump firsthand, I can tell you, there's no comparison between Biden and Trump on cognitive ability or mental or physical fitness. Uh, and most majority of logical Americans who use their own eyes can see that. And that's why Biden is weak and President Trump is stronger than ever. Well, one area we're definitely seeing chaos is the border. I know Trump has plans to visit the border on Thursday, as does President Joe Biden. And Caroline, I would love your uh, reaction and Trump's response to the tragic, horrible and avoidable murder of Lake and Riley. And also the response from Democrats like Katie Porter, who were saying that one incident shouldn't shape our overall immigration policy. What's Team Trump's response to that? 
I, this death is just, I, I, I can't stop thinking about it. Our whole team can't stop talking about it because it is so tragic. When you put yourself in Lake and Riley's shoes and the, the shoes of her family, she was out on a morning run on her college campus, a place that she should be safe, and her life was brutally taken at the hands of someone who should have never been in this country in the first place. And President Trump put out a really strong statement yesterday saying, you know, God bless Lake and Riley and her family. Our prayers are with them. And this should have never happened. You know, the the, the individual who took her life, the monster, uh, not only was allowed to enter in 2022 from Joe Biden's open border, but five months earlier, he was arrested in New York and set free by radical Democrats and district attorneys there. I mean, it's it's unbelievable and sad, and the Democrats don't want to talk about this story. The mainstream media is hardly covering it. And for Katie Porter to go on CNN last night and to say that we should not be outraged over this incident and we should not look at every isolated incident, I mean, every American life matters. And the sad part is Lake and Riley is not the only one we've lost. President Trump met with a couple of weeks ago in South Carolina the family of a three-year-old girl, Maddie Hines, who's family's vehicle was T-boned by an illegal immigrant who was drunk driving. There's a story out this morning about a woman in, in Florida who was raped by an illegal immigrant. There was a story a couple months ago in Minnesota, an 11-year-old girl gang raped by a gang of illegal migrants in her home. I mean, you, you, you can't fathom just the, co- the, the cost of life that is, is being taken by Joe Biden's open border policies. And he doesn't care. And he has the executive authority to shut down the border today and end all of this, empower ICE to do their jobs to deport these people. And he's refusing to do so for political gain. But they know that he's weak on the issue. That's why he's chasing President Trump down to the border on Thursday. And we welcome that double shot of Biden and Trump at the border because Donald Trump is strong on the border. He secured it. Everyone knows that this crisis is on the hands of Joe Biden. Um, so all the best to him on Thursday because it's not going to be a pretty sight for the Biden team. Yeah, and it will be interesting to see how the Border Patrol uh, greets Joe Biden. We've reported in the past about how they're not big fans of the president for a good reason. Um, Caroline, I-, I-, I hate to let you go here. We are running out of time. You've got a very exciting trip coming up with the Howie Car Radio Network in November. It's going to be here before you know it. Give people a little information. I think there's only two spots left on this trip. Woohoo! That's so exciting. Yes, we are so excited. We'll be going to Iceland after the election. We're all going to need a break from this craziness, and hopefully it will be a big victory trip where we're all celebrating our country, getting back on track. But I'm really looking forward to it. It's hosted by Colette Tours. We're going to go see the Blue Lagoon. We're going to see the Northern Lights, all of the beautiful sights that Iceland has to offer. Uh, and I'm so excited. Two spots left. Go get them, people. And I will see y'all there. Cannot wait. Let me tell you, it's going to be a much needed break. <laughs> Caroline, thank you so much. I know you're very busy. And just so you know, the listeners are so proud of you. Everyone's watching you killing it. And uh, just a lot of good wishes headed your way. We know that you're you're working around the clock for Trump and you're doing a great job. So we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks for making time for us. And I wanted to let everybody know that recently we had a Grace Curley show listener call into the show. And this woman's name was Candace. And she said, you know, Grace, I heard you talking about the thunderstorm. I wanted to try it. I loved it. I loved it right away. I got the three pack. I, I was loving it. And my husband kept rolling his eyes every time I'd say, look how great this device is. You plug it in. Doesn't take up any floor space. Clears out the smells. Perfect. Perfect. 
Her husband was like, ah, you're buying into it. You're crazy. And then they got their furnace serviced. And then there was a little bit of an oily smell. And she said, well, let me grab my thunderstorms. I'll plug them in. And it started working. It started purifying the air, getting not not covering up the smell, getting rid of the smell. And suddenly Candace's husband had to eat crow. He had to eat a little bit of humble pie because he said, you know what, Candace, you were right. And is there any better thing to hear from a husband than, honey, I was wrong. You were right. You can have that feeling, too, if you get your hands on a thunderstorm. And right now they've got a great three-pack special. So go to EdenPureDeals.com. Check out the three-pack special. It's the perfect size, doesn't take up any floor space, and comes in handy you can ask Candace. With a three-pack special, you can use one in your kitchen, your office, your car. So go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code GRACE3. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Code GRACE and the number three. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. I've been planning to go Thursday. What I didn't know is uh, my good friend apparently is gone. That was Joe Biden. I believe that was mid ice cream stop telling the reporters. It was on his face like a child. He, well, you know, I, I've said this before, Jared. I'm not here to critique somebody's form, but he's like a biter. Like he bites the ice cream. I will say there is some ice, like really good ice cream. Sometimes you do have to bite it if it's if it's like got like Oreo in it or something. Yeah, but he's uh, apparently, supposedly, his favorite is just vanilla chocolate chip. That's or not a bite chocolate, ice cream. Vanilla chocolate chip, which is not a biting ice cream. No, he goes nose first into it. So he says, oh, well, my good friend's going. I didn't know my good friend. Sure. Yeah, 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 sure. It's, it's like when you just show up to the place your ex-boyfriend's at. Oh, I didn't know you were going to be here. You like this restaurant? That's so weird. So funny seeing you here. Yeah, you're not following him to the border. But Caroline Levitt, who we just had on, if you missed it, just check it out uh, when the podcast comes up. Because she's she hit a lot of different topics. She's right, though. Trump has no issue going the same day as Biden because he's proud of his stances on the border. He's friends with these Border Patrol agents. They like him. It reminds me of when Joe Biden went to the and I was I'm not sure if it was Afghanistan or he went. He was with these military guys and he was eating the pizza before they even got their pizza. And it was so uncomfortable. And you could just tell that they're not fans of this man. And it's hard to blame them. And I think he's going to have the same reaction or the same reception when he goes to the border. It's going to be awkward. You've sold these men and women out time and time again. You have not had their backs. You're showing up a week before your State of the Union address because the exit polls of these primaries are showing that you're in deep, deep bleep. That's the only reason you're there. They're not dumb. He, the only way that Joe Biden must make himself feel better is by banking on the fact that everyone's as dumb as his base. And it's just not true. And you'll see when he goes, you'll see people. It's not going to be all hugs and smiles. You're going to see some side eyes from these Border Patrol agents. They're not happy. Well, I remember like when he went to East Palestine, finally, when the mayor of the town was talking, you know, he was 
being gracious to a visiting president. He's like this, uh, you know, finally having this response now, I can say. Like, there was, there's going to be some... Right, he got his shots in. There are going to be some shots taken. I think, well, we've seen that when Mayorkas goes... I don't think he's going to be going anytime soon, especially with the impeachment looming. My favorite word to use. It's looming. But when he's gone to the Border Patrol uh, and met with these agents, hes they've read him the riot act. Like They have not held back. And I don't blame them. Because like you said, Jared, it's one thing to be on camera and be a, be a governor and, and greeting a president. And there's a certain level of grace that you have to give. But if you're on the front lines there and you're getting screwed, I don't know if you have to be that polite. And they haven't been in the past. We'll be right back. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone. We're awaiting. What is this now? Part three of the Fannie Willis Fulton County soap opera. I like that description from Caroline Levitt. I think it's pretty accurate. Felt like reality TV. And I love reality TV. I'm not a snob. I really, really do enjoy it. I enjoy the the high stakes and the theatrics. And that's what we got with the Grey Goose and the caviar and the cabins. And now today we're going to hear from Terrence Bradley again, who's a former law partner and divorce lawyer for special prosecutor Nathan Wade. And this is from Atlanta News First. He's been ordered to he's been ordered by Judge Scott McAfee to testify Tuesday about his knowledge of Wade's relationship with Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. And I I called Howie up today and I said, so what's the deal with this? Like, why is he having to come back? And Howie said, you know, he was saying that attorney-client privilege, he was Wade's divorce lawyer, so he couldn't really testify to a lot of this. And Judge McAfee saying, no, that's the timeline of this doesn't make sense. And you're able to, your privilege does not pertain to this area and so you can tell us more information so he's going to come back and something Howie told me which I agree with is the last time he was there the other attorney the state prosecutor or the state's lawyer threw him under the bus and brought up his sexual assault allegations which I don't think would have been you know a top headline thing I don't think a lot of people would have known about that if it hadn't been for Fannie Willis's team and so he might come back to this, and this is just speculation. This is just Grace Curley, amateur lawyer at work. Grace Curley, Esquire. But he might come back a little testy. He might come back with a chip on his shoulder, not feeling not feeling very loyal to the lovebirds. Just a thought. So we have that to look forward to. By the way, did you see, so we, we've been talking about the cell phone data. And you know what we should talk about, Jared, is what Caroline brought up about the plant from the Biden administration. That's important, too. And that was a Breitbart exclusive yesterday. But the cell phone data has been in the news because they told us that they hadn't started dating till a certain point. And then it turns out that before then, there were all these like 12,000 text messages, all these calls, all these pings. It was like ping pong at Fannie Willis's house. And Nathan Wade was right right by there. And so naturally, the response from the Willis side of the aisle is, well, did they get this cell data legally? Did they obtain it legally? And, and it, does it have any relevance? And what's great is Trump's lawyers came back. And I'm paraphrasing here, but they basically said, well, 
one, yeah, we obtained it legally, so cool your jets on that. And two, Fulton County's used cell phone data in a lot of cases, so you might want to tread lightly on poo-pooing cell data considering you've used it to prosecute these cases before. There's just so much packed in to this one disaster of a case. Um, And we are going to continue to talk about that. We have a lot more to get to. But before we do, let's do the poll question here. Today's poll question is brought to you by J.J. Manning Auctioneers. Whether residential, commercial, or land, J.J. Manning can get your property sold now. To learn more, contact Charlie Gill at 800-521-0111 or go to jjmanning.com. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurlyshow.com, is what's a bigger liability for Joe Biden? His handling of the border or his age slash capabilities? I don't think Democrats would give a flying you-know-what if Joe Biden was totally just a complete shell which he is right now but like if this man was what's the week uh weekend at bernie's if they wouldn't they don't care about that as long as he's effective it's it's once he is risking losing that they're gonna start to care so i don't think that his age is what is suddenly drumming up all of this worrying from democrats no it's the exit polls it's showing that people care about the border people see this with their own eyes they don't like what they're seeing they don't like in cities like new york city and boston and chicago that their children or their veterans or their neighbors are being put last in order for illegal aliens to be put first and getting these prepaid debit cards and this housing and everything on the arm they don't like that and it's showing now in the polls and that's what the Democrat Party's worried about. They wouldn't care if Joe Biden was a thousand years old as long as he could win. It's the same thing with Nancy Pelosi. Nobody's complaining about Nancy Pelosi. She's old as Joe. Older, I think. But it's when you start to become a political liability that they worry about your age all of a sudden. Like, oh, maybe it's time. He seems like, oh, he has a cheat sheet. He had a cheat sheet since day one, baby. The cheat sheet is nothing new. So I'm going to say the border. Yeah, 65% of the audience agree with you. Handling of the border is the bigger liability. 35% for age slash capabilities. And on the border, I have a story here because we've talked a lot recently about Boston and for good reason, uh, what happened at Melnia Cass, and and that's going to start to happen all over the city. If you know an area in Boston that is vacant, that has more than like one bathroom, I would be worried that it's going to be used or transformed into a shelter at one point or another but in new york city this has been happening they were kind of like the pioneers of this because eric adams such a big heart you know he's such a big heart and such open arms well i should say he did he used to have a big heart he used to have open arms things have changed a little bit there's an unbelievable story about the business behind housing and providing for all of these illegals And we hit on it a little bit, Jared, recently with the prepaid debit cards. I said this big company got this deal with the city to hand out all these prepaid debit cards, and it was going to cost millions of dollars. And that wasn't any of the money going on the debit cards. That was just providing the plastic card 
this company was going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars for just providing the plastic cards. So there is a whole story just in that. And whether you're talking about Boston or New York City, there's a whole story on who's getting what contracts, who's getting the deal. Because think about it. So you have people at Melnia Cass, you have all these illegals staying there, you have all these families, okay? And they're going to need food. They're going to need meals. And so a restaurant down the street, and I won't name specifics, I don't have them in front of me, but a restaurant down the street gets the deal to bring the food. Now suddenly this restaurant, let's just pretend, this is hypothetical, the restaurant wasn't doing too well. It was on its last leg. Suddenly it gets this deal. It's the same as these hotels. It's like all of a sudden you're going to get a steady paycheck for the, uh, more than a steady paycheck. You're going to get more than you'd ever make just hustling or just, you know, actually doing your job or actually just being a successful restaurant. You're going to get so much more money than that. And you're going to get it for the foreseeable future. No questions asked to provide food to this shelter. And so what happens after that? Well, what happens after that is restaurants around that restaurant start to go, hold on a second. How come I didn't get a shot at that? You're feeding like 600 migrant families. You're making hand over fist money. And I didn't get a shot at that. Now, typically what happens is it goes to bidding. And a lot of these restaurants can bid out one another and who's going to get the deal. But if the public officials, and I may not have this all right, but it's the general gist of it. If who's ever in charge declares it an emergency, I think what happens is they can bypass that. They can say like, oh, it was so much of an emergency. We didn't have time to go through the bidding process. Things were too urgent. Things needed to get done. And so if you're that lucky restaurant that didn't even have to bid, you just got got the sweet gig. It's like the golden egg. So that takes me to New York City. And I actually have something in mind when it comes to Boston in that situation, but I need more detail on it before I can go with it. Says Big Apple taxpayers are being fleeced out of millions of dollars thanks to rushed no bid contracts being doled out by Mayor Eric Adams' administration to deal with the migrant crisis, a new audit shows. The deals inked under the city's emergency contracting system. If you say emergency, that is like the magic word. Forget forget a magic wand. These politicians are always like, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't have a magic wand. You don't need that. You just need to be able to say the word emergency and then you can do whatever the hell you want. You can bypass any rules. You don't need no stinking rules. If you can say emergency, you're good to go. Abracadabra. So these deals inked under the city's emergency contracting system have allowed various for-profit companies to charge exorbitant rates for staffing at some migrant shelter sites with very little oversight and vetting. Well, yeah. That's that's on brand for this whole crisis, right? We're not going to start vetting now. We're not going to start vetting in the migrant shelters. If we were going to do any vetting, it would have been at the border, and that ship has sailed. The Comptroller's review of four such deals found that supervisors and security staff at various asylum seeker shelters were paid wildly different rates, despite delivering the exact same services. What does Eric Adams think he's Fannie Willis? He can just charge different people different rates, pay people different salaries for doing the same job? In one particularly egregious instance, SLSCO was charging, and and that SLSCO is a Texas-based disaster firm, okay, was charging hourly rates that were 237% more than ESSE for a similar contract role. While DocGo charged 146 more than Essie. 
Now, Essie, I'm here to tell you, you guys got to start upping your rates. You're giving the city too much of a deal. You could be charging a lot more for your disaster relief. A comparison of similar job descriptions showed that under the SLC, SLSCO and DOCGO contracts, security guards were being paid roughly $90 and $50 per hour, respectively. Annualize the savings would total approximately $50 million if certain staffing had been provided by hiring city employees rather than through the emergency contracts. Amazing. They weren't thinking about the budget during this emergency. They weren't thinking about saving money for the taxpayers. They were just worried about hiring all these people. Three of the four contracts were dished out without any competitive bidding under emergency powers. One of the con- uh, one of the companies, SLSCO, a Texas-based disaster firm, was found to be shelling out nearly $1,500 per eight-hour shift for a shelter supervisor at the start of its contract. Talk about a good gig. Shelter supervisor, $1,500 per eight-hour shift. And they were paying site managers $2,000 per day. In comparison... Essie, the only contract out of the four analyzed that went through the competitive bidding process, paid supervisors just under 550 per day. Not too shabby either, though, I'll say. But a currently advised Department of Health peace officer would have set the city back just $29.80 per hour. So if the city had just done a little bit of put in a little bit of effort here, they could have saved $50 million approximately. But instead, they were in such a rush to just get it done. They're shelling out all these different salaries, all these different prices for all these different companies. It's almost like it's a complete mess. The comptroller's office estimates that certain staffing costs to provide services to asylum seekers at the Rowe Hotel were approximately 2.5 times higher under an emergency contract than if the city had delivered those same services with city employees. The audit comes as the Adams administration is set to roll out a controversial, controversial no-bid $53 million contract with a New Jersey-based company to provide migrants with prepaid credit cards. And by the way, the $53 million contract, none of that is the money going on the credit cards or the debit cards. That's just to get the cards themselves. This is a, oh, Talk about a grift. Move over global warming. This is the new thing, Jared. I can't wait till we find out what uh, relations these people have to New York City councilors <laughs> and the mayor and what kickbacks are going where and the whole. It's a great you, we should do some. You know and what? What, what ties these have these uh, places have to like, you know, members of Congress, because this is just this is another great way to run a money laundering grift. S.L.S.C.O. Yeah. Go and S.E. Those are the three that we need to look into. have to look, look into. them up, see who's who, what's Sir, where. Could there be any connection to the Adams administration? Oh, Jared. Wow, you are such a pessimist. That's where your mind I know. goes. I, you don't I think this just, is on the level. I'm mega, mega pouncer. It's a, I, but you know what drives me crazy about this is that people in New York City, in all cities, and, and, and everywhere in this country right now, you, everywhere you go, everything's so expensive. Like I went to the grocery store the other day. I was making a, I, I was in charge of dessert. We we're having a family get together. I was in charge of dessert, and so I was like, "Oh, I'll make hot fudge sundays." And I almost thought about getting some M and M's because I like to sprinkle those on top of the hot fudge sundae. You know how much it was for a bag of M and M's? It was a dollar eighty nine. Guaranteed, I was at a pricier supermarket, but still. And most people are going throughout their day trying to cut wherever they can, trying to save a buck, trying to cut the coupons out, trying to cut back on driving, save on gas, like all these little things 
to try to save money. And then you've got Eric Adams, and he's like, yeah, sure, you want $90. Okay, what's that, $90 per hour, $50 per hour? Okay, $2,500 a day? Sure, 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 sure. It's, it's, it's like Marie Antoinette or something. Let them eat cake. There's no budgeting whatsoever. You would think that this was the salad days, the way they're just writing blank checks to people. And, and it's not their money. It's not their wallet. It's our wallet. But they're very generous with our money. I will give them that. 844-500-4242. Jared, we got to talk about the Nasa Beach Inn here because you never stop talking about the Nasa Beach Inn. It's your favorite place to go. It's relaxing. It's tranquil. And you actually went, which this is my this is my favorite thing to tell people, is Jared went on the off season. So he can attest to why this is such a special time of year. Yeah, winter on the Cape is the time to go to the Cape. You, especially at the Nauset Beach Inn, where every room is just steps from the beach, you actually almost have the entire beach to yourself, which is unheard of in the summer. You don't have to worry about crowds. You don't have to bob and weave and, you know, muscle people out for space. No, you can enjoy a nice walk along the beach. You can actually hear the waves. You can feel the wind. It's it's fantastic to be down there. And like I said, every room is steps from the beach, but... It is winter, and if it's cold, every room is also super cozy because every room has a fireplace in the room and a nice picture window so you can actually look out. You can take in the view, but you can stay warm. Or if you want to go outside, they have fire pits. My wife and I, we love sitting by the fire pits. We sat there, watched the sunrise, had our morning coffee when we stayed there in December, and uh, it was just fantastic. If you want tranquility, this is the place to go. And right now, you can stay at the Nasa Beach Inn for under $200 this winter. To reserve your Ocean View room, go to NossetBeachInn.com. That's NossetBeachInn.com. We'll be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. There was an exclusive in Breitbart yesterday, and the headline reads, Biden administration planted operative Jeff DeSantis in Fannie Willis's office to target Trump, sources say. So we hear a lot about how Trump is interfering with elections, whether it's when he colluded with Russia in 2016 or when he told people to peacefully protest on the Capitol. That was also considered interfering with an election. Turns out the Democrats might actually be doing a little bit of the same thing. It says the Biden administration planted a Democrat operative inside a Fulton County office to target former President Donald Trump. Multiple sources familiar with the Fulton County District Attorney's Office exclusively told Breitbart. I'm just going to skip around here because I only have about a minute. But it talks about Jeff DeSantis, the county's deputy district attorney, with professional experience far greater than the average county employee. DeSantis worked on Willis's 2020 campaign, sources told Breitbart News, and was the former executive director of the Democrat Party of Georgia with extensive knowledge of campaign finance law. He was also the deputy director of compliance for the DNC. Sources credit DeSantis with colluding with the White House to target Trump. DeSantis did this, one source told Breitbart News about the Trump case. He's the one. He is the one pulling all the strings. He was the one that walled her, meaning Willis, off. He was in every important meeting. He is the brainchild behind this. That is the connection to the White House. And, Jared, I've been curious about the connection to the White House because no one's asked Nathan Wade about it. 
he had this testimony where he was talking about cabins and trips and Belize and tattoo parlors. But I was curious about the day where he visited the White House. I think that was the same day he billed Fulton County like 24 hours for his work as a special prosecutor. Sources also revealed that Sanders was a member of Willis's transition team after she won the election in 2020. DeSantis helped Wade select employees for the new office. Hmm. We'll be right back. We got a lot to talk about. I want to talk about Winsome Sears and Jeopardy when we come back. <laughs> 